Hey everyone, welcome to the Telos Running Podcast. My name is Steve and I'm here with um, Adam Daly, a good friend of mine who um, is going to be the the subject of an interview slash um, grilling, although it could possibly be that Adam grills me as much as I grill him. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what I'm calling with this episode, which is our 12th episode of the Telus Running Podcast. I'm calling it Anatomy of a Comeback, as Adam is in the process of making the uh, the steps and exploring the range of experience that is coming back from being a post a collegiate athlete a post collegiate athlete and um, 10 years 12 years pl- post career looking at taking another jump at it and Adam's a good friend of mine he and I have been good friends since he was in high school and I was in college and uh, I just thought it would be a really interesting podcast to get him on and talk a little bit about his training and um, we'll go more into that um, as we go. Hello, Adam. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here with you, brother. Yeah. So um, we also, Adam's recording from his home in San Diego. I'm rec- recording from Central Texas. Um, and uh, we're, uh, I, before we get started, though, I wanted to um, bring up a kind of a current event. And I haven't done this on this podcast yet, where um, I bring up a topic or an event that has come up in the, in the recent, in, uh, come up recently. But um, on my Telos Running um, Ethos team, the group that I coach um, online, someone posted um, a recent Instagram post that came up, I think, yesterday or the day before from Ryan Hall. And as those of you who know Ryan Hall know him to be um, the fastest American in history. Uh, he ran 204 at the Boston Marathon on a year where it was incredibly fast with a downhill, with a, with a wind to their back race. But he ran that day a performance that in my mind um, should be considered one of the great American performances of all time, even though it didn't count as an American record or count as a, uh, a, a, and and he's sort of an asterisk in people's minds in terms of being the fastest marathoner. But he was absolutely a game changer athlete for U.S. um, running because he competed with the Kenyans and competed with the Africans at a level where and he didn't he wasn't afraid of them and and he ran with them toe to toe and he had a really courageous attitude the way that he ran anyway he's got a new book that's coming out soon called run the mile you're in and um he in that as a as one of his posts for instagram he he put up this post and i i want to read it to you guys and then i want to comment on it and the reason i want to do that is because um not because i'm trying to bash ryan hall in fact i have a huge amount of respect for him as a as an athlete and as a person and as a man of faith but I think that he's giving some really really terrible advice and so I want to talk about it a little bit um, and give you my feedback and my my point of view on it and then um, see what you all have to say and what you think so here's a, here's a quote from Ryan he says my plan for marathons has always been the same go out hard and give God a chance I've had God show up in some incredible ways during my races, and I always want to give him a chance to strengthen me. I like to think that if, you're, if you don't start out at a pace that's going beyond what you're capable of, you don't need to ask God to step in and give you extra strength. God shows up when we take risks. Whether it's praying for someone, engaging someone in a conversation about faith, moving to the other side of the planet, or going out faster than you should in a marathon, my faith beckons me to push myself beyond my limits. So, you know, at first blush, basically what this is, is a give it to God post, right? And, and, and I'm not in any way, shape or form against that. In fact, I think part of what Adam is talking, I mean, sorry, part of what Ryan is talking about here 
is that the only way that we find the kinds of things in our lives that give us great depth great depth of meaning and great depth of purpose or when we're taking risks and taking chances. And by taking risks and taking chances, you are engaging in um, the unknown and what I like to call magic and what Ryan is calling God. Um, for all of you who are of faith, please recognize I am not, I, I'm not personally a Christian, but I grew up in this um, worldview and I have a deep respect for it. I had a conversation with my mother this morning about this exact topic and we went through it back and forth and had lots of fruitful and valuable conversations about it. And I'm not, I want to make sure people understand that I'm not saying faith is bad. What I'm saying is faith and what, what, what Ryan is asking of people here is that you have to take risks and risks are a way for you to get closer to um, the biggest purpose in life and to give magic or God or however you want to look at that a chance to move for you and move with you in life. And so I applaud that. And I applaud someone who has the courage to write that in a post. Now, what I'm going to rail here against is that Ryan Hall should know better than to asking people to go out faster than they should in a marathon. Um, in my opinion, this is um, patently, this is really, really dangerous. Um, it's irresponsible. And it's, um, he's got a pulpit at which he can basically tell people how to act and, or, or give people suggestions on how to act and how to um, live their faith out. But by asking them to go out faster in a race so that God will show up, in my opinion, is, is, is poor epistemologically and poor theologically, but especially bad marathon advice. And so this is my thought is if you want to go out and meet your maker, this is a surefire way to meet your maker. Go out too fast in a marathon, and by mile 18, I'm 100% sure that you will be talking to the God that Job was speaking about rather than the God that Ryan Hall is talking about because you will be going through the amount of the, an, an amount of suffering that is so great that you're going to need every bit of prayer that you can possibly muster and summon in order to get to the finish line of this race. So yes, take risks, but take them in a context that actually takes the entire 26.2 miles into account. And some of the people that Adam, that, that Ryan is talking to here in this, in this post don't have the skill set that he has, don't have the background that he has. And so to, to naively state that faith is a way to take risks and faith is a way to get on the starting line and run a race. I think no matter what your faith is, is very, very dangerous. And um, personally, I don't suggest it. So there's a and rant for you. Um, people have been asking me to give a rant. Uh, and uh, again, this is with deep respect to Ryan Hall, who he is a man, as a man and who he is as a man of faith. But please, Ryan, don't give really, really terrible marathon advice a couple of weeks prior to the Boston Marathon where people might actually take you up on this. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox. Adam, you have anything you want to talk or you want to say about that? I mean, I had two thoughts, I guess. One is that, you know, once Ryan Hall, if I, if I think I have my history right, once he started being coached by God, um, his career kind of went down a little bit. And, <laughs> but, and uh, the other thought was if you're looking to a former runner's Instagram page for how to run a marathon, you might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, hopefully people have better better coaching and, and, and better experience themselves to know better. But anyway, there's my Sisson rant. Um, people have been begging me for one. There, I just gave you one. All right, so I'm really excited about this particular episode this week. I have Adam Daly on, and he is uh, an old, old friend. 
I've known Adam since the, what the early mid nineties. Uh, probably ninety three is what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I graduated from college that year. We were both working at um, the greatest running shoe store that has ever existed on the face of the planet, in my opinion, Runtex. Would you agree, Adam, that that was some? Those were some heady days in a pretty those, amazing place. Those were some good times. Yeah, those were, <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun for. for the all multiple. Of us. The multiple times we worked there, right? The yeah, multiple, yeah. the multiple eras we were in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a few chapters there from '93 to I guess probably about for me 2003. Yeah, I think you yeah. might have lasted a year longer or something like that. Yeah, I was there from '91 to like '97, and then I went away for a bit and came back in 2002 and stayed to 2004. <clears throat> um, Runtex was a an absolute institution in in Austin, and um, probably. It, it, in its heyday, it was the greatest running shoe store, um, and still, in my opinion, you know, Adam and I have talked many times about perhaps writing a a people's history of of Runtex, <laughs> given all the people we know and all the th crazy things that happened there over the years, and how many amazing stories there are to tell. But one thing that came out of it was a really close friendship between Adam and I, and he and I have had our ups and our downs in our in our relationship, as all relationships will. Um, but recently, Adam reached out to me. He and I have been in contact um, over the years, and recently he reached out to me and said, hey, I, you think it's crazy for me to think about um, qualifying for the Olympic trials? Um, and uh, I said, Adam, I'm crazy. And so, no, I don't think you're crazy, but I think just about anybody else on the face of the planet would say you were. <laughs> so, Adam, give us a little background on on this idea that you have and this crazy goal and um, why do you want it and and what do you think it's going to take and sort of maybe where you came to with this. I mean, I was reading this book, this this book, David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me, and it's, you know, it's written by this Navy SEAL and he became an ultra marathoner. And the whole book is, you know, a typical kind of Navy SEAL overcoming adversity, came from nothing, you know, that, that type of thing. I've read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of books about motivation and things like that. But a lot of it was just the way this guy could physically push his body. You know, I mean, what, the stories of him not training and then running a hundred mile race, you know, with, with Ritz crackers and, and, you know, a jug of water and a folding chair as his support. <laughs> so, and it's like, and some of it you're like, haha, that's kind of funny and silly. And some of it's like, your body can do a lot more. And so for me, even like I kind of, I, I took off running, gained a bunch of weight and I started running again a couple of years ago. And, and I've had this soft goal every January 1st, like, Oh, I want to break 16 minutes in the 5k. And it's super soft because I'm about a 16, 20 to 16, 20 to 16, 30 guy. So it's just like, it's close and it's, it's conservative enough to where it's like, yeah, I could do that. But it, but at the end of the day, at every November, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, I run a Turkey trot. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't train for this too bad another year maybe next year I'll break 16 so I as as I'm listening to this book around January 1st I'm like what instead of saying to break 16 minutes what's something that really scares me physically and you know that was that that thought entered my mind and I'm like you know I'm I'm probably too old but I know I'll be too old next time and that's when I texted you before I got too far away with the with the thought I was like Look, here's my baseline. I'm a, I'm a 16, you know, I, I just ran 16.10 in a 5K last week. I'm 165 pounds. I run 35, 40 miles a week. I drink too much beer. Is is it possible to even do, is it physically possible to do this in 10 or 12 months? You know, and, that, and that's when you responded. <laughs> yeah, and I responded crazy, but maybe not so crazy. Um, and, you know, just for people's uh, 
just so people can get an idea about this, a 16 minute to 16, 10, 5K is <coughs> like about a 240 to um, probably 240 equivalent to a marathon generally. You know, everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses and it plays out differently. But um, so it's a, it's a big stretch for Adam to do this. But Adam also has a, a pedigree. Um, he comes from a, uh, he, he has, he's, was a very fast runner in high school and in college and post-collegiately, um, went to the Olympic trials, uh, ran at the University of Arkansas, and um, was a high school state champion in the state of Texas. And these things are, you know, Adam's not a from-scratch runner. Adam's a runner who basically comes from a place where he's done the work over many, many, many years. But what was intriguing to me about having Adam on the podcast because is, number one, because he and I are doing this together. We're writing a, I'm writing a training program for him. We're implementing it week by week and going through the process. And I just thought, what a compelling story for other people to hear that someone can step away from their sport for an extended period of time and then make a crazy idea and a crazy dream after reading a book that's basically motivational. And, um, and then what my hope is that Adam and I will be able to go through three or four different episodes between now and when he tries to get his Olympic trials qualifier to kind of talk about the journey. Um, and so this week is just sort of an introduction, getting to know Adam, and then talking a little bit about what we're doing training-wise, and then um, just going from there and having a long-term conversation over the period of months as Adam continues to train through this process. And hopefully you all, the listeners out there, will see some value in this. I know for sure Adam and I are having fun. We've already been doing this for a little bit, and we're enjoying ourselves already, and we wanted to bring everybody else along for the ride with us. So... Um, the place I want to start with is starting right here from the very beginning before we even get into Adam's long-term running background is, is this realistic or unrealistic? Um, and this is kind of a philosophical question. So I'm going to pitch this to Adam first because he's the one who's going to be going through this and he's the one who's going to actually have to suffer. So talk a little bit, Adam, about the, I know you've been dealing that right now so far with a lot of sort of back and forth about the realisticness of this endeavor. And it has it has really sort of challenged you, hasn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think every day I I kind of go back and forth, you know, of like I think I can do this, you know, and then and then at the same time I'm like this is a crazy I call it kind of a pipe dream, you know, this is a pipe <laughs> dream, and this is not realistic on paper for my running, you know, the running I've been doing the past years, uh, you know, the my the way I look, you know, if you look at me, I don't look like your typical you know professional runner. Um, I mean, none of this is probably realistic, but I, I, I've always run faster than I should have. And I've always kind of defied odds in some ways. And, I, you know, so it's like, uh, I, for sure, it's a struggle. Every day, I'm like, I think I can do this. You know, I, I can see how this could all fall in part. And then some days I'm like, dude, this is crazy. This is literally crazy. <laughs> well, you know, from my perspective as a coach who basically says, okay, number one, as a friend, you know, my statement to you would be, it is crazy, you know, it is crazy, especially given the background of knowing what I know about the sport and what it takes, um, especially for men. I think that the standard is not an equal standard at this point in time between men and women in terms of getting an Olympic trials qualifier. Of course, I, believe, yeah. I believe 219 is a harder standard to reach than a 244 is to reach um and that's from my own experience as a runner my own experience as a coach and so if you're if you're running 219 you're seven what six seven minutes behind the second best guy in the country whereas if you're running 244 you're 
20 minutes behind the second best woman, right? I mean, I know, I know there's a delta with the, the length of the run, you know, but you're still talking about a pretty big disparity, you know, and I, I understand why that is in terms of the depth uh, with American distance running, but it's still, yeah, I, I wish it were whatever it was four years ago when it was like 222 or something for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think it's really important for our listeners to understand that there is a there, there is disparity there and that the disparity is real. Um, and anybody, both men and women, that you would talk to about this, regardless of the reasoning why there's a disparity, there is. And so, you know, I've had other athletes that I've worked with. Kristen, who's been on this, who is on this podcast and is one of my, is my co-host. She has been attempting a, a Olympic trials qualifier and she would absolutely tell you that the men's standard is significantly harder than the women's standard is. So, um, which makes... Then that's then then me staying saying to Adam, is this reasonable or unreasonable? It should stand even more in the unreasonable category. But here's my reasoning why I think it could be realistic, um, and the reasons that I have for it. The first is is that Adam has been long term an undertrained athlete, in my opinion. Um, he comes from a background in high school and in college um, that was based on. Scientific principles that are based in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, especially the 80s and 90s in terms of the way we trained, which meant it was a little bit lower volume and a much higher level of intensity, and it basically chewed and spit out many, many of the greatest American distance runners for many, many years. Adam went to the absolute best college that you can go for running at the University of Arkansas. He had the best collegiate coach in the history of collegiate coaching, um, at least distance running, I'll say. I mean, I do think there's a swim coach or two out there that could compare with Coach McDonald, but... Nobody's got 44 national championships, though. Yeah, well, there's a really good swim coach at the University of Texas who's really, really good. But you're right. Nobody does, but nobody else has three different seasons that they can play in one year either. So, you know, basically, Coach McDonald's career was three three shots a year, whereas... Um, a swim coach only has one shot a year. So it's a little bit of a different. It's not necessarily apples to apples. But the point being here that Adam went to the best place to train, but the mindset and the milieu and the attitude of distance runners in the 80s and the 90s was very, very different than it is now. And so I think that there's a chance with Adam's training the way it was in the past that being a merit, he, he hasn't been able to show exactly how good a distance runner he could be, in my opinion, even though he was incredibly well trained. Number two, Adam likes to run really fast. He runs fast all the time, and I know that that's part of the problem that he could run into with distance running, but it's also one of the things that I think could make him be really, really good. And so I think one of the key things to think about here, and one of the things I've been trying to impart, and will probably be an ongoing um, storyline or a through line throughout these conversations that Adam and I have is, is he slowing down? How does he feel about slowing down? Does he believe and buy into it? Um, And I'm sure he and I are going to have many, many verbal repartees about this topic. So that's another reason. And third and final reason is because Adam's a warrior. Adam shows up on race day and gets the job done. And once he puts his mind to something, I have seen him do this in life, in business, in running, as a friend, in every area. Whatever Adam puts his mind to, he gets done or at least dies trying. And so I really did believe that if Adam put his whole heart into this endeavor, that he has magic in him. He has the ability, that spark, to get something done that might be crazy. So the fact that he was coming from a crazy place, was willing to suspend his is willing to look at it, you know, logically and and conservatively, but then still jettison that idea and go for it anyway, told me, well, shit, this is going to be a lot of fun. Regardless, that, this is going to be a lot yeah. of fun. 
Yeah, and I feel I, I at one point I told you that I'm like just get me close and get me on the starting line. Get me to 222 shape and then get me on the starting line and I'll, I'll you know and I'll do I'll do I'll do the rest. Oh, I hope I can. You know, I, I don't know that for sure, but that's that's part of it. You know, that is hoping that I can have that toughness, which has always served me well. I mean, I think even like I mentioned my body type and just being like a tank, you know, as people have referred <laughs> to me before being able to train. Like I, I, in five years of competitive collegiate running, I had one serious injury, you know, with the, with an Achilles, which was, I think because I didn't warm up that well in a workout. And so ultimately I'm just built strong. I, I mean, if you watch me run, you would never think I could run fast. The inside of my, you know, the insides of my ankles almost touched the ground. I pronate so much. Um, but I, but I also, I, 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 my body type serves me in that way. I live in San Diego where I, you know, where the weather's perfect. So I can always kind of have ideal training conditions. And I, I also kind of more or less control my schedule. So I don't have to wake up at five in the morning to get my run in or anything as well. So I have a few things going for me. Um, but it's, yeah, it's still crazy. <laughs> so let's go and give people a little bit of a background about you, Adam, in terms of how you started running and um, your high school and college experiences. So give us a little bit of a background on how, when you started running and, and kind of what got you out there doing that. Uh, I mean, I started running in junior high, I think similar to you is, you know, kind of doing the, the track thing, but I also did, you know, other sports in junior high, but I obviously had a gift, I think, for running um, where I would run, I'd go straight to the front in these races and just basically hold off anyone that ever came. I'd sprint for as long as it took to hold off someone and everyone told me that was a horrible way to race, but I didn't know any better. <laughs> and then I remember going into high school and playing football and playing football on Friday nights and then showing up and running cross country races on Saturday. I mean, I remember going to cross country and having no idea what it was, but everyone's like, you'll be great in cross country. And then showing up and realizing it was like running four miles at a time around town lake. And I'm like, this sucks. Cross, <laughs> cross country is just like a running. Like, are you kidding me? Like I, there, I thought there was, we were, you know, something, you know, lacrosse or something. I, I don't know what I thought that would be, but maybe uh, there was a, there was a wrestling match that happened in the middle I of it or know. something. I don't know. Cross <laughs> the way people made it sound. I was like, so it's just running cross country is just running. You're no one ever mentioned that, but I, I obviously, I obviously had some talent there and then, you know, had my, I think, you know, had some early kind of mentors talk me out of continuing to play football uh, and stop doing football. And then in, in high school, just kind of, you know, one of those, I wouldn't say slow and steady. I mean, I was a good, I was, I was a good high school runner who kind of got better every year. And like you said, one state my senior year, I think I was second my junior year. I mean, it was like just kind of a slow warm up to where I kind of got on the, you know, top 15, top 20 guys in the country uh, by my senior year. And then, and then went to, went to test it all out at Arkansas where, you know, it's like I, I could have gone, you know, at, being at that level, I pretty much had a scholarship anywhere I wanted to go and uh, chose to go where I would, you know, ultimately almost never become the best guy on the team because I, I was just thrown in with the wolves from, from an early age, which I, which I did that with eyes open, you know. Yeah, and, and just for our listeners to know, Adam was, was, was talented enough to get um, scholarship offers from a, a large a, a whole lot of schools all of the best schools um, in the 90s that had distance programs one of which was Stanford um, and so Adam is a really really smart guy as you'll be able to tell as we go throughout this podcast and the podcast series um, and he still agrees and thinks that 
Although you did have a little bit of a waffle at one point in time, you and I having conversations over beers at one point about whether or not the move to not go to Stanford was the wisest one that you made. But I know it's one that you you still believe wholeheartedly gave you op- opportunities and, and your experience at Arkansas was unlike any other. Talk a little I bit mean, about your experience there and at our, uh, getting to Arkansas and the choices that you had to make. And then how, what was different about maybe a place in the middle of America that most people don't really consider um, – why you would go to the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville? I mean, a lot of it was just kind of me getting into running when I was in high school and being around, you know, people like you and some other people, kind of mentors who, who you know, would point out, like, I'd go to, I went to, you know, these meets and saw these Arkansas guys, you know, crushing everybody. And I saw them on the cover of track and field news. So there was no question, like, this is where you went to become a runner. Like, as you point out, I also, I mean, my other recruiting trips were Georgetown and Stanford and Notre Dame and, you know, very high academic pedigree. And so I, it was a bit of a choice for me, but I always, I I thought then, and I guess I think about that a little now, if I would have went to Stanford or, or Harvard or something like that, I think I would have always looked at Arkansas and go, well, how fast could I have been? And so for the most part, I think I kind of got that question answered. I mean, you could argue that maybe I could have been better in this program or that. But for the most part, I'm like, I, I, I went to war for, you know, four plus years at Arkansas running. And I, I kind of got the most out of myself that I could. I got, you know, nine national championship rings during that time. And so, you know, it, now I, I think what, where I've joked with you is like, uh, I go to, you know, some Arkansas alumni events here in Southern California and they're fun and they're, you know, it's fun to watch a game with, with, with people. And, but it's, there's no one from that room that I'm like, we, we need to go connect next week and talk business, you know, <laughs> whereas I know if I was in that same thing, if I was going to Stanford alumni event, I'd be like, whoa, can you introduce me to this person and this person? And let me, you know, I'd be, everyone in the room would be fascinating. And, and that's not a knock against people from Arkansas not being fascinating. It's just a, I'm intellectually stimulated by uh, very, very ambitious, smart people, you know. And so I think, you know, uh, that is one thing I've, I've thought about. But I, I definitely uh, don't regret going to Arkansas. Uh, I just, I, uh, I sometimes wonder if the network, you know, effect would have been better somewhere else. So with hindsight, the be, you know the benefit of hindsight being twenty twenty, um, what do you think now your motivation was in high school and college to run? How would you articulate that, like your purpose behind it, and why you were so motivated to suffer the way you did and train the way you did? Um, what was that motivation, and where did it come from? I mean, I've always just been an extremely competitive person, so I think there's always been kind of two types of runners, and one was is is the type of runner who just you know grows up running and their parents were runners and they run and they love to run and the other is the type who just loves to crush the competition and loves to train to beat people and win and i was always the latter um and i think it's it can be magic if you have both of those things i didn't you know i didn't love running um growing up and even in high school and college but i loved the competitive piece of it and I think I was motivated probably in college and my motivation went up and down I cut you know and it, a lot of it it's you know I I think in high school you're probably motivated to continue to the next level and in college I was probably motivated at some point to continue to the next level you know so run collegiately or run post collegiately and I think every runner has those dreams of course of running in the Olympics so you qualified for the Olympic trials in 2000 or 2004? 2000. In 2000. Yeah. Um, Adams 
wife, Jessica, um, ran at the University of Arkansas as well after a brief stay at the University of Texas, my alma mater, um, of which she was really smart to get the heck out of that Dodge and go <laughs> to Arkansas. But that's a topic for another day. Um, both you and your wife qualified for the Olympic trials, and um, you guys thought about running postcollegially for a while. Talk a little bit about that experience and sort of how you framed that, okay, I did really well at this level. Um, and maybe I can go to the next. And with that, um, keep in mind that our listeners probably don't have an idea of what the kind of environment was for post-collegiate runners um, at the turn of that century, at the turn between 1999 and 2000. In those years, it was a completely different ecosystem when it comes to opportunities for distance runners. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know. You would know better than me, but I don't know if it's a ton different. I mean, I know the opportunities were. You know, it's like in running, I think it's the rich get richer. You know, if you're if you're Meb or Ryan Hall or something like that, you're going to make a lot of money. If you're the ninth best guy in the country, you might not make any money. And so for me, I was, I think, the ranked number 12 in the country, you know, in 2000 coming out of school. And I didn't get any offers per se. I got equipment deals where I could hit some bonuses. And uh, but honestly, my, you know, Jessica and I were pretty burned out. We'd been running at a very high level for however many years, which wasn't that many, to be honest, if you really look at it, but we well, were around like, eight to eight to 10, right? For both of you, probably. I mean, so if you look at when I really started getting into running 92, yeah. And so probably about the same for her. So about eight years. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you're looking at, uh, and so I look at that now with my own kids. I'm like, I only lasted eight years. Like, and I'm not saying that with my kids or anyone else, but it's it's easy to burn out. And so for me, I wasn't when we, after you know after that after running in the trials in 2000, it wasn't that I was stepping away from the sport forever. But I'm like, I don't want to uh, I don't want to have this intensity in my life forever. In terms of when you don't get a good night's sleep then you're stressed out the next day because you're like, oh my God, this might affect my workout and the workout might affect my race. And oh my God, I got to get back and get a nap. And then you start getting in your own head of like, oh, uh, everything's going to fall apart. You know, my season might be screwed because this is going to be the domino effect. And whereas once you stop that competitive piece, you're like, oh, I'm tired because I only slept four hours last night. I better have an extra coffee in the morning. You know, it's just not that (laughs) big a deal though. Exactly. Well, you you took that energy that you had focused on your sport for an extended period of time, and you turned it and focused it on um, other opportunities. You're a serial entrepreneur, is what I would call you, being your friend. Um, you're someone who does not want to work for. That seems seems to you probably would be a great employee, but you seem to be dispositionally averse to the idea of working for other people. You've started multiple. You've started a business. You've written a book. You've um, stayed involved in the entre- in the entrepreneurial world um, through um, the EO program, and you're uh, right now really juggling a number of different op- financial opportunities and um, business opportunities. Talk a little bit about your experience post collegiately and how maybe the running experience translated into what you do now from a work perspective and the way you frame. Um, success and failure and or what experience is with work? I mean, ultimately, I'm still a very competitive person, you know, probably less so in a lot of areas of my life than when I was, you know, a teenager or or in my young, you know, young mid-20s. But I'm still competitive. And I think running, generally speaking, is is all about discipline, right? And it's about following programs and it's all about goal setting. And so all of that, I think, 
absolutely helped me um, in terms of going into business and 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 doing different projects and um, and I don't know where you know I'm I'm definitely got a lot of ADD so I just I like to juggle a lot of stuff I don't know how that fits into competitive running per se <laughs> uh, but 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 it's but even the running thing is like part of it now I'm like okay now for the first time in like t- 20 years I'm like I I am self-identifying myself as a runner for literally the first time since since Arkansas days I feel like you know. yeah so it's it's just another hat you know but but there's all these hats there's the father business person you know community leader husband I mean and it's it's for sure overwhelming yeah we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit but let's let's transition now to like kind of talking about training and we've discussed now your background and also how you kind of came to the point of thinking about doing this um let's talk go through where you and I together sort of like where you come from and where your brain comes from from a training perspective because I think this is something that can be interesting for people to listen to um, those folks who didn't have an opportunity to run in college to see how things have changed and or how they haven't and how you are sort of framing some of the counterintuitive narratives or training uh, stories I'm telling you the way I'm trying to frame this for you you and I have You've been you've been listening to me for many years go through these things and haven't always agreed with me. But now that you're doing it, you're you're let's we'll 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 talk about that and go through that. So talk a little bit about your training background and what it was like for you at Arkansas and how that frames sort of what your idea going into this was going to be about how to get ready for a marathon. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it was very simple. I very you know I know a lot of programs are very complicated and. Our program was super simple. John had probably, you know, a, a dozen workouts ever in his in his portfolio of workouts, and and most of them were about four or five workouts. You know, five times a mile, three times a two mile, uh, you know, twenty or sixteen to twenty times four hundred. I mean, really simple stuff. And we would do one. To, we'd probably do two workouts a week unless we had a race. And if we had a race, we'd do a bunch of you know two hundreds three days before a race, and then we do a twelve to fourteen mile long run. It was 12 miles, kind of my first couple of years of college, and 14 my last couple of years of college. And we'd typically run, you know, 7:30 first mile, 6:30 second mile, and then you know, 5:20 pace the rest of the time. <laughs> Fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and so uh, that is my mentality of like, and, and I'd run, you know, 70 to so probably 70 miles a week. And so my my. I haven't progressed much in terms of my the way I think of training. Like I know there's all kinds of new learnings with training, with stretching and flexibility, with nutrition, with recovery, all these things. But I'm definitely stuck in 1999, um, which I don't. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, it's probably bad because, but it's also good because I'm like, if I can learn some new things uh and i can get half percent here half percent there in a you know in a 150 minute race it could it could it could make a difference you know with, with all these variables yeah so you 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 know in 1999 i think what people need to hear is that you were in a, what i would call an incredibly old school program in 1999 yeah. one that really very few people are training in the way that coach mcdonald trained athletes the other thing adam didn't say was each and every one of those easy runs if he ran with anybody else on his team there was no such thing as an easy run so <laughs> uh, yeah. that's the experience that it was at arkansas that everybody was going hard all the time and so adam's 70 miles a week may not sound like a very high mileage program for someone at an incredibly um good school 
school, probably the guys that were running at Stanford, the guys running at Notre Dame, at Georgetown, the other schools that we're talking about, they were probably running 90, 100, 110 mile weeks. But Adam's 70 miles a week was probably um, nearly 75% of that was at 545 per mile or faster. And so, right. if not more. And so, there's a different energy systems that are being you know challenged in that regard and you can't run that many miles if you're running that fast and so there was a it was the viewpoint in that program from the top down and then but mostly enforced by the athletes that were within it that this is how you get better because this is how the others in our program who are the best in the country and the best in the world have done it in the past is that accurate adam would you say yeah yeah and there i mean it's 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 darwin too i mean it's survival of the fittest i mean he'd we'd come in and you know for cross country there'd be literally 10 all americans you know what i mean like there's there's a 359 miler and there's a 14 flat 5k runner that aren't going to make the top seven like <laughs> and and for and generally speaking it uh it was usually a guy who got hurt but but sometimes there was an eighth guy who was just got beat out by seven other guys who was a healthy all-american and he's sitting at home and so i think you know i think that was a that was a big part of it It it's just it was everything was competitive and there was always someone running you know reasonably fast and reasonably slow on any given day and you know for me i came in i thought i was a miler coming out of high school and i'm you know i thought i was fast and i was like hey coach I'm, i'm a miler and he's like okay you're a freshman. You're a miler. Here's here's the other freshman you came in with. You came in with Mike Power, who's a 358 miler. You came in with Matt, Matt Kerr, who's a 343 1500 runner, so a four minute miler. And you came in with Seneca Lassiter, who's who's at that point the best miler. You know, who's probably better than the other two. He hadn't run quite as fast, but everyone knew he. I mean, he's about a 405 miler. So he's like, so you're the fourth best freshman I have right now. You know, plus I got sophomores and juniors and seniors. So it's 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 the whole thing was just finding your place and, and surviving and staying healthy, which I think is, is relevant now because I think health is a big is a big component of like whether this could even happen. Yeah, you just segued us perfectly into the next topic, which is basically going through a little bit of um, and, and, and what I'm gonna, we're going to go through is a little bit of the training plan that we have put together for you or that we're planning to put together for you. And um, just so that I make this initial caveat to all of our listeners, um, what Adam is going through as a, from a programming perspective is not the same as what I write for all the athletes that I work with. Um, the reasons for this are Adam's long-term background, um, my knowledge of Adam as an athlete and as a person, and also the the lack of consistency <coughs> at high volumes that Adam um, hasn't done. And so he, basically Adam has an idea of where he's at and what his body can do, but he doesn't have the aerobic capacity to balance that when it comes to a marathon because Adam trained as a 10K runner more like a 5K runner than a 10K runner. And so we've got some challenges in terms of just looking at the way we approach it. And the other thing with Adam is that we've got a very short time frame here. Um, yeah, that, that's a big component, I think, yep. is, is that there's there's more we're willing to take the risk because like it doesn't matter if it happens six months later or if it's five minutes short you know it's just i mean it's 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 so you have to calibrate the risk and 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 turn up it turn it up a notch basically 
Absolutely. But with that said, even from the very beginning of this, Adam and I talked about it. We knew that what we were going to do is basically break this into three different sections. The first section was going to be what I would call a base building introductory introduction to the methods that I use um, and try for he and I to arm wrestle and discuss and challenge each other in terms of determining if the mindset and the approach that I bring to the event was going to be able to be was going to be bought in by Adam because if we didn't get that, the later stuff that we were going to do was going to need. We were going to need a good coach athlete relationship. I mean, he was he was going to need to buy in all the way, um, and so we we decided that okay, we're going to do we're basically going to get ready for a half marathon or generally run a half marathon sometime in the early June time period to basically try to get us to the point where we feel like we're in about two thirty shape, and then we we're going to look at from June until basically um, mid-August or so um, in order to get us to the point where we were really starting to do the kind of load necessary from a speed and volume perspective that would allow Adam to see what it really was going to take to get that 219 time. And then finally, the last phase of it was going to be the nuts and bolts of getting the real work done at the paces that we needed to get done. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we were going to do everything at 219 paces to get him there but we were going to be much more with the bit in the mouth going after the time so if you look at this from a bigger perspective it's the first phase is base the second phase is sort of a speed development phase to be sure that we get our wheels turning fast enough to be able to do the work at 219 pace and then it's to put the whole thing together as specifically as we can to get him ready to run and at this point in time we're looking at the California International Marathon is that correct Adam we're still looking at yeah. that as our yeah. as our goal qualifier for because for Adam this whole objective is not really what he does when he qualifies for the Olympic trials but it's really just getting to the starting line of those Olympic trials as a as an incredible story and as a journey to get there so um, so would you say that's accurate in terms of what your understanding of what I've kind of pitched to you at this point yeah and that's I haven't really told really anyone about me doing this and the people that I have told I'm like I know how it sounds I know it sounds ridiculous but I'm also like I'm, I need I, I need to get in 230 shape and then then it won't seem so crazy and if I can run 230 then then in who who would ever say well you can't run 228 you know what I mean yeah and, and then and then if I can do that then it's like who would say oh we can't run 225 and so it's like at some point you know age and fitness I mean you can't go to two hours using that same you know formula but ultimately there is, you know, there is something to say, how much more can you tap out? You know, where is the ceiling? And so I think that's where we're trying to experiment with it. Well, for sure, for me to think about running 219 is overwhelming. But when I think about running, you know, these, these, you know, smaller steps, it's like, I, I think I could do that. I think I could do that. And then once I get in that shape, and it's like, oh, uh, then I can, you know, if I do this, you know, this new stretching, or if I do these, you know, shoes, or if I do this nutrition and lose five pounds or, or whatever these little little tweaks we can make in training and whatnot, uh, and health, I think, I think becomes a lot more realistic. Yeah, so what we've done that that's an outline of the basic approach that we're taking. And, um, and the most important and key principle that we're going to be talking about throughout this whole time is staying healthy. And uh, we know that um, that the, the biggest challenge to Adam getting to this time that he's looking for is that he's got to stay healthy long enough to do the work. And then the work itself is challenging enough to kind of occasionally put him on that precipice. Um, we've got a couple of big bonuses here and that Adam is really resilient his body really responds very very well to training and he though he is a tank that strength um, that he has um, 
is, a, is, is really, really good. The challenges Adam has is the way that his body runs, that, that heavier, stronger, more powerful approach isn't always optimal in marathon running. And so he also has a foot placement in the way that his body runs. He toes out. And, um, and so we're wondering what will happen as we raise the volume and make longer long runs. Will that be a limiter for him? Will we have a challenge in that regard? So, And then finally, the, the final thing is um, kind of in the stay healthy approach is how long is too long and and where are we sitting with that so these are the questions that we don't have answers to um but that we're really interested in playing around with and determining and um well let's go right now over the, some of the basic principles that that i'm using in this process so for those of you who are listening who know me you'll know these to be um, a consistent theme that i that i always go through but for those of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time or don't aren't really that familiar with my protocols or my training processes i can break this down to a really really simple basic thing that we're looking at for adam the first thing we're doing is trying to get to a volume perspective for adam on a weekly basis that he can sustain and maintain that is enough volume to give him the aerobic development we need to get the oxygen working his heart beating appropriately and get the neural pathways for all of that magic that happens when you're running at longer and slower paces to to play out but we don't want to go so long and so slow that we lose a lot of the real strengths that adam brings to bear which is one of the reasons he's going to be able to run 219 off of a 230 is because he's got this incredible background of many many years of really fast running and another thing that's important to tell everybody is adam didn't stop running through all these years he has not been a competitive runner but Adam, you've probably run, would you say on average, 30 to 25 to 30 miles a week throughout all these years that you haven't been competing? Uh, I would say that's accurate since about January 1st, 2015. But from about 2004 to 2015, I would say I would I probably averaged one run a week, to be honest with you. So well, if that. And, I mean, and, and part of that is you kept the you kept the wheels turning right so you didn't you weren't sedentary you didn't sit on your butt and do nothing right and no, so but i probably got above 200 pounds and you know i, I wasn't sedentary <laughs> but i i got fat and i didn't i mean i could still go run fast for a 200 pound 5'8 dude you know what i mean like i could go run with you or something and go run a six or eight mile run if i had to but uh but i definitely wasn't it wasn't part of my routine i guess it running wasn't you know fitness really wasn't for a long time either um so i but definitely in the over the last uh four plus years it's been it's been part of the routine for sure so the the way that we're looking at this is keeping that natural strength and natural speed that adam has i mean adam can run sub 30 seconds for 200 meters without a problem if it's just one or two and now he's now that he's been in this how long have we been doing this together at this point about uh, a month six weeks or a month yes yeah, about six weeks i think maybe a little um bit. and so we've done a few 200 meter workouts and adam can rather easily run fast paces um from his with his bot his body can do it his his calves achilles his his legs can turn over that fast he's challenged still a little bit on how many of those he does and how short a recovery there is with them but he's got a really good skill set and so we want to keep that end of of Adam's strengths up one of but we have to work the other end which is the fact that Adam's going to run 26.2 miles and he's going to try to do it at 518 per mile pace um, 
that's not where he's currently at. In fact, we just did some repeat miles recently at his critical velocity pace where he ended his workout at that. Well, he ended around that pace or his average was about that pace. So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we've got a long way to go, but what we're doing is working, keeping his strength where it is and keeping those legs turning over and those wheels turning and doing what I call speed development work. And then we're working on the far end of trying to extend his long run. Adam did his first 20 plus mile run that wasn't in a marathon. Um, just this past weekend and so um we're starting we've now got him in a position over the last six weeks where we're kind of what i would call fit enough to train and um why don't you talk a little bit adam about how you've adjusted to some of these training mechanisms and maybe a little bit about how you're feeling about what you're seeing in terms of the overview of it like how does it making sense to you or is it still not making sense because you know you and i first talked about it your first statement was so do I just run a mile, just keep go like five miles at 5.18 pace and then try to go seven or eight miles right. at 5.15 pace? And and I yeah. said, no, no, that's the exact wrong way to go about it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, I, I, it's, I guess you could say it's an, it's a linear approach one way or another. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I definitely notice a difference in terms of I, I'm sore and, you know, but I also can get, I'm all, I can tell I'm more fit. I mean, I'm the most fit I've been in since, you know, whatever that was, 2003. Um, and so, you know, it, but it's all, it's pretty new. Like I've been struggling trying to figure out pace and, you know, I don't, and it's still, you know, it still never feels that good. You know what I mean? Even when I do a workout every time, like, this, this is probably going to suck, you know, as I'm warming up or whatever, I'm like, this is, I don't feel good. This isn't going to, you know, and then I'll end up doing it. Okay. So, I mean, it's all, and it, so most of it's just not really remembering this stuff. And, uh, you know, I've I listened to one of your other podcasts where you talked about the dumb athlete and I'm, I'm okay being the dumb athlete and just kind of following directions. Um, but you know, because it all, it is all very new to me. You know, when you asked how the 20 miler went, I'm like, I don't know. I think it went okay. I mean, I don't know what, what what's, what's it supposed to feel like, you know, kind of sucked, <laughs> but it kind of didn't. I don't know. It was freaking running for a long ass time. <laughs> yep. Um, the good news, Adam, is that the more 20 milers you do, the easier and easier they get and the more, yeah. the more, um, comfortable they get. But let's talk a little now about finding a training sweet spot. Um, that's one of the things that you and I talked about from the very beginning that I thought was going to be really important was sort of where it is your weekly volume sitting on up weeks and down weeks because I do an up two weeks up one week down with you um, and how are you feeling in terms of weekly volume and now that you've gotten this long run up are you feeling good about one quality workout a week one speed development workout a week and the long run is that feeling about right or are you and and where are you at mileage wise with that how are you feeling about that um, I think I've been running about close to 70 miles a week uh, the last like month or so and like I said it, it feels okay I mean I get out of bed kind of limping in the morning which is how I remember my everyday being in college you know your first few steps you're kind of limping um, and that's uh, you know in, in the workouts like I said it's it's one of those things like you know I, I don't know whatever we've done seven eight ten workouts most of them I mean half of them I think I'm like okay this will kind of be cool I feel good and then the other half I'm like shit how am I going to do this today I don't feel I'll probably quit this workout you know um, because because <laughs> I don't feel good or whatever and then it ends up being better than I thought it would be and then you know the long runs are very very different for me because I'm doing them by myself and because they're so long 
that it is kind of a different dynamic of anything else I'm doing. Cause it's like, okay, I have to, you know, get permission from Jessica. Is it okay if I'm gone for, you know, an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. And, and I have to kind of think of where I want to run. And I, you know, and I haven't really done anything nutrition wise or anything, but it's, it's, uh, uh, that's, I think that's part of the outliers. I'm looking at everything else in terms of the mileage and the workouts and everything like that. Is that, that, that's just because it's all, it's on the weekends and it's just, and it's so freaking long that, uh, <laughs> You know, running for two hours is something I've never done. For sure. And like I said, our our whole approach and my whole approach to this point has been getting you fit enough to train. So yeah. that because the because if we don't get fit enough to be able to think about the two thirty to two twenty five range, then extrapolating those principles down to two nineteen is very, very challenging. And um there's a point at which the body has a hard time. You know, you could have done that approach of five eighteen to five you know, five fifteen to five twenty pace, extend, extend, extend. But as you would get to that you know, 15, 16, 18, 20 mile range with that approach, you're starting to do things to the body that the body can't really do unless it's been doing it for a very, very long time. And so what we're doing is trying to work both ends of the spectrum to try to get that middle place to where we need to be. Um, one of the last things I really want to talk about, Adam, um, and this is a this is sort of a training theory approach that is something that I know you've been struggling with and feeling challenged on, but I'm beginning to get a feeling or an inkling that you're starting to get a, a handle on talk a little bit about what how how you know i like to talk all the time about listening to your body um and i remember when we when i first brought this up to you you were like i don't know, i don't even know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> like you understood it intellectually but you didn't have an idea about what that was are you starting to see some some reason to that or are you still in the mindset like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about and, and talk a little bit about what listening to your body means now to you I mean, yeah, I think I'm probably still like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I mean, uh, uh, like on the workouts, it's a little easier to kind of manage it. But like on the days, you know, where I run and I just go out the door, I mean, I feel like I'm listening to my butt. Like, like the first, like, or first or second long run I did, I think I went out at the pace I was supposed to do a long run and just felt crappy for the first half. And I'm like, I'm going to pick it up for one mile and just see if that feels any better. And it felt better. So I'm like, maybe that's an example of like, I'm like, well, I, so I finished the run, you know, the second half a little faster probably than I should have run a, a long run, but I'm like, I felt a ton better. So a lot of it is that. And a lot of it, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm, how much I'm listening to my body. I mean, and, and, and I, I, I feel like we have so much information now, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, where I'm running now and I'll run easy and then I run and then I hear on, you know, cause I'm listening to podcasts and then a, or a book and I'll hear on, you know, whatever Strava or whatever, like what I just ran the last mile in it. I'm like, so I have the information, you know what I mean? Which I didn't have that information in the nineties. You know, I just, I knew oh, I'm running six thirty pace or five thirty pace because I just had a good feel for it. I don't have that feel really anymore, but, but I have that more information now, which I don't know. It probably works against me as much as it works for me, you know? what I mean yeah and I do think that this is something that you're going to respect and understand and and I don't mean it respect from the standpoint that this is and you know the law of the of the universe it's more along the lines that you're going to have there's a there's a space within marathoning that's different from running the half marathon and below where the per mile each 16 point 1609 <coughs> meters are not require the entire balance of the whole distance around it that you're running to make sense so people who go through the first mile or the 10th mile that particular mile marker or time 
isn't crucial or critical. What is crucial or critical is it's that mile given the elevation, the descent, how you're feeling, how much further you have to go. And all of that requires a sensory experience of checking in with what's going on with your body and not necessarily just listening to the data point that your watch is indicating. And your background, I think, is going to make this much, much easier for you because you spent so much time running with other athletes around you by feel. But you didn't know and, and that you came from a non-technical technology background right all right. of us who ran our in our heyday without garments and geek meters and all those things we were basing everything on really kind of the old in a lot of ways where they talk about badger miles like we were just averaging six minute per mile right. pace or nine seven minute per mile pace because that's what we generally thought we were running and so you do have a natural tendency to know your your basic body feel better than than some of the athletes that I currently work with because all their entire experience of running has been is checking in each mile or even that that calibrated mile that's telling them where they're at in exactly that moment. And you don't seem to be using your watch in that way, right? You're not really looking at it when you're not doing workouts saying, oh, wow, at this point I'm at 6.45 per mile or I'm at 7.10 per mile, are you? No, I mean, I, I run with my iPhone, which is also kind of funny. But, I mean, when I'm doing, like, workouts, I have people look at me like, what the hell? Like, this guy's holding a phone. But, I, I mean, ultimately, I, 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 like I said, I listen, and it's more like, uh, I don't, it, it, I don't pick it up or slow down based on that. It's more just like, oh, that's nice to know. Like this, like this morning, I went out and my first mile was seven twenty, and I did the same run yesterday, and it was seven minutes. But I felt like I was running, like I felt like it was the opposite. So it's more just like, but I didn't like pick it up or slow down based on that. I was like, oh, that's yeah, exactly. Curious. That's that's curious. Like, but it's not going to like change the 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 rest of you know. I, I yeah, I'm not letting it influence me. Um, on on how on what I set out to do, whether that's you know run easy, run a little harder, run faster in the middle, whatever it is. Cool. Well, before we wrap up here, I want to talk um, about an, a topic that I know that will be of very great interest to all the people who are listening to us right now, which is how you're learning to find a balance with this kind of training with the rest of your life. Um, obviously, you're a husband, you're a father. Um, to five children and and a businessman and an entrepreneur on top of being a businessman. Um, talk a little bit about the challenges you've found now in this first six weeks of training and how you're balancing those challenges. You talked a little bit about negotiating with Jessica about how, where and when you could run. And are you finding that this is going to be continuous challenge or is it something you feel um, confident that you're going to be able to manage? And, and sort of how you're dealing with all of these, this, this newness that's around having a big, scary, hot, big, crazy, audacious goal and um, fitting it in a life that's chock full of, 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 a, lot, of a lot of other things. I, I mean, I think one of the reasons I've liked running over the years is because as a, as a recreational runner is because, you know, I can go decide at, you know, 157 that I want to go on a run. Um, I can, you know, have a drink of water, I can go get dressed, I can go put my running shoes on, and I can go out the door at 2, and I can come back at 2.25, and I've got a pretty good workout. Whereas, like, what, what other what other sports can you get that type of workout in that short of time in terms of, you know, cycling or swimming, or you have to go find a pool and get special equipment? So I've always appreciated that, and I've always been able to fit it in, you know, like, um, but it's definitely harder in the last month where every work where, where even an easy run is an hour now so it's an hour commitment block 
um, which is which is harder than my usual whatever it was 30 to 35 minutes and then you know I've, I've told you a few times with the workout or something uh, there's been more than once where I've like just missed time the whole thing and I'm like i you know, I am busy, so I'm fizzing. Oh, I, I'm fitting it in, and I'm running a little late, and then I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm 80% in this into this workout, and I'm supposed to be like, I'm supposed to pick up my kids from school in like seven minutes, and I'm, you know, I'm eight minute run from, so I'm gonna have to cut the workout short, or I'm gonna have to kind of not get a cool down, or you know, it's just, <laughs> it's there's there's definitely like I, I haven't figured out the timing, especially with workouts. I mean, I have a little bit, but I. The workouts seem to be taking, you know, those days seem to be more like an hour and 20 or something like that. And, uh, you know, and it's hard. I mean, you would, Jessica would not want me coming and being an expert on balance and time management. Um, <laughs> Generally in life, her, even before her, this process. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. But I, I do feel like it's like, you know, the, the, again, that going back to that competitive part of me, uh, being fit, like I'm more confident generally and it it shows up in other parts of my life you know as a mm -hmm. father as a business person like it's like you know when you like they said when you run first thing in the morning it kind of gives you a buzz and when i you know one of the things i used to love when i was a competitive runner is just showing up on the starting line and like seeing 80 guys and being like i'm gonna beat you guys and like so <laughs> it's not quite the same now but it's it's a, i mean like i said being 42 years old and knowing like this is the best shape i've been in in 16 years like i mean it's like again i i feel like i i feel a different energy a lot of the time especially after like a workout or a long run or something that where you're like wow that was kind of i exceeded my expectations or whatever yeah so Again, this this part of the of our topic will be one that we keep going through as we have subsequent um, check ins with Adam. Um, first of all, Adam, I want to say thank you for being on this podcast and for announcing to the world, whoever are, is listening, that um, you're doing this crazy thing and yeah. um, it's real now and you kind of put it out there to the world that you're doing this crazy thing. Um, so thanks for choosing me and this podcast to be um, a place to announce that. Um, tell people a little bit about how they can follow you and find you in the rest of your world. You're a, you've got a, you've got a, your business, you've got your fingers in a number of different business pies, but the thing you're working yeah. on right now is Funly Events and preparing for the 2020 um, Tokyo Olympics, correct? Yeah, that's, that's the events business. I, t I take, you know, big groups, the Olympics and other events, you know, like World Cup, you know, I do, I, you know, do some consulting and speaking on key and that's a website called keepmovingfast.com. And then I, you know, I, my bigger project right now, I'm finishing up a hotel in San Diego, but yeah, go look me up on keep moving fast. I think I have like social, a bunch of social media on there. And, you know, in terms of like, we didn't really even talk about like what this announcement, I, you know, cause I've, like I told you, I've been so hesitant to tell anyone because it is so out there and i know there's so many haters that that i would have been <laughs> I, I would have been a hater i would be a hater if some you know it's just it's so far but it's also like you know for me i got motivated and i also like thought if not now when and you know and the fact that it is such a pipe dream and it is 20 years between the two times i've i'd have run in the olympic trials and i mean it's like uh, and you go back to even balance, I feel like good about being around my kids and showing them like, here's a goal, here's a far goal. This is what I'm trying to do. It's probably 
they're probably not going to happen, but I, but I'm trying. And, and it also puts in their head from an early age, like, whoa, fitness, competitiveness, you know what I mean? All these different components of like, oh, they're seeing, you know, because I, 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 you know, read a lot of business journals and things like that. And one of the things I remember someone talking about was this mom was waking up at four in the morning, this CEO to go work out. So they're, so she'd be awake before the kids woke up. And then at some point she reflected that, oh my gosh, the fact that they're not seeing me work out, they don't know that fitness is important and it's an important part of my life, but an important part of their life. So I think, uh, you know, like I said, for all the haters, like I get it, you know, like, <laughs> you, can, you can keep hating, you can keep talking. Well, it takes it, balls. I won't make it. But, it definitely you know. takes balls to, to make the announcement. And I know that it's something you've been struggling with. So congratulations on that. And we're going to keep following this. Um, we're going to have Adam on in a couple of a couple in a month or two to talk a little bit at what happens post first half marathon. Um, he's got a rate. He's running Carlsbad this weekend, I believe, as a sort of a test five k, sort of a fitness check, less of a more of a fitness check and less of a where where is he exactly. Um, and then he's got a half marathon, right? You're running San Diego half um, La, on the La Jolla, La Jolla half. half. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that race is incredibly hilly, so we're going to have to do some extrapolations to determine where we're at. But in terms of what that half marathon time will translate to from a, a from a, a marathon perspective, but um, we'll keep checking in with Adam and having him on here to talk about other challenges as we as we go through the process. If if any of you have questions for both Adam and I about this journey and about what's going on with it, please send them to me. You can reach me at Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, at telos, T-E-L-O-S, running.com. Um, thanks to all who have sent me um, email recently i've gotten a number of them from you um thanking us for what we're doing and i know that we're people are starting to find us um out there and thank you so much for your interest and if you have questions for both adam and i or questions in general for me and Kristen on this podcast then ask away so with that i'm going to say again thanks adam thanks for showing up and um talking with us all right see you next time cool all right, y'all, we'll talk with you next week when Kristen will be back. Um, not sure exactly what our topic's going to be, except I think it's going to have something to do with nutrition. So um, we'll check you out next week.